With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about Kamadaf Nun, page 50. We begin on the bottom of Memtesim of Bez, page 49b, at the Gemara, nine lines up. Tarnabonan, we learned in Abraisa, if somebody digs a pit in the private domain, and he opens it up to the public domain, there's an allegation to pay. Bishmal holds this is what the Torah is talking about specifically, where it was dug in the public domain, opened up into the private domain. That's where there's an obligation. Rabbi Kiva says, in a case where he dug it, he dug this pit inside of his private domain. And then he made the area, which was his domain, he made it ownerless, so now that becomes part of the public domain, but he did not make the actual pit ownerless. He still owns the pit. That's what the Torah is talking about when it talks about an obligation in regards to a pit. Rabbi says that everyone agrees, both Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva, that if we're talking about a pit that was dug in the public domain, that there's an obligation. My time, why is that? Because the first already says, that if a person will open a pit that was already dug, or if he will start a new pit, if we already find that there's an obligation in regards to opening a pit that was already dug, if I was the one who opened it, even though it was dug by someone else, that I have an obligation to pay because I opened it, I'll create a culture can certainly if I went and I dug it. So, what it's teaching you is that even if I don't actually own the space, for example, where I dug this pit in the public domain, so I'm going to have an obligation to pay because of my action of digging the pit. So, the argument between Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva is only speaking about in regards to a pit that was in a private domain. Rabbi Akiva Savar, Rabbi Akiva holds that if you're talking about a case where there's a pit that was made in a person's private domain, there is also an obligation. Because the verse says, that the owner of the pit has to pay. The Torah seems to be speaking about a pit that has an owner. It's not just ownerless, it's not just in a public place and all he did was actually dig it, but rather it's even saying that he dug it and it was in his private place originally. So therefore we can talk about a pit that has an owner and having an obligation. Rabbi Shmuel holds no. When the Torah says the owner of the pit, it doesn't mean he actually owns it, but he's the one who created the stumbling block. He created the ability for something to get damaged. So therefore, if it's in his private domain, there will be no obligation according to Rabbi Shmuel. So now, what does it mean when Rabbi Kiva says this is the pit that we're talking about? Now, Rashi explains, because according to Rabbi Shmuel, we understand why he would say this is what it's talking about. Because you could explain it to be talking about uh, a pit, which is in the public domain, or a pit which is in the private domain. So Rabbi Shmuel is coming to say, no, it only means uh, a pit that's in the public domain, as opposed to what Rabbi Kiva is about to say, which is that it's in the private domain. But according to Rabbi Kiva, so he agrees to Rabbi Shmuel that there's an obligation when it was dug in a public domain, like we said, and he's adding on that it's also true in regards to a private domain. So what does he mean when he says that this is the case of the Torah? The Torah also speaks about that there's an obligation by a public domain. So what does he mean by the word zehu? This is the case. So the Gemara answers, zehu bor There are two different verses. One is speaking about if a person causes damage with a pit, and one talks about the fact that there's an obligation to pay for the damages caused by the pit. So when Rabbi Kiva says, this is the pit, he means to say, this is the pit that was spoken about when the Torah was talking about payment. So Rashi explains, so therefore Bikiv is saying to Bishmuel, how could you say that there's no obligation in regards to somebody who owns his his pit on his private domain, that he made the private domain public, but he retained the rights to the pit? That is exactly what the Torah is talking about when it talks about the concept of payment. So how can you say that it's not true? That's That's the statement of Zehu, that is.
So now, that's all the explanation according to Rabbah. Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef gives a different explanation to the entire machlokas, the entire argument. But if we're talking about a pit that was made in the private domain, where he made his private domain hefkri, made it ownerless, but he retained the rights and the responsibilities of the pit itself, in such a case, everyone agrees that there is an obligation on the owner of the pit. My time, what's the reason? Why does everyone agree? So in Rav Yosef's version, so everyone agrees that when it says in the Torah, the owner of the pit, has to pay um, uh, that shows that we're talking about a pit that has an owner so the argument is only going to be between Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva in a pit that was dug in a public domain Rabbi Shmuel, so Rabbi Shmuel holds Rabbi Shmuel holds that even if you have a pit that was dug in a public domain there will also be an obligation even though he doesn't own the area because the verse says if you will open it meaning if you'll open a pit that someone else made or if you will dig it if you have an obligation where you open the pit that someone else made so certainly if you actually dug the pit so what's it coming to teach you? That it's coming to teach you an additional novelty. That even if you opened it and it didn't belong to you, why? Because it was in a public domain, you still have an obligation just because you opened it. Rabbi Akiva, so what does Rabbi hold? He holds that there's no obligation in a public domain. We need these verses to teach you that even in a private domain, you have an obligation both in regards to opening it and in regards to digging it. Because of Rachmana, because if the Torah had just written the concept of opening a pit, let's say someone else's pit, I have an obligation if I open someone else's pit in the private domain. That in regards to opening it, if I open someone else's pit, so it's enough for me to just cover it up again if I don't want to have an obligation. But in regards to digging it, I would say that there's a difference if I dug it, so I can't just cover it. That's not going to be enough for me to get out of the obligation. I would think that I would have to actually fill up the pit if I was the one who dug it in the first place. And I would still have an obligation even if I just covered it. That's why has to say, both of them, because of Rachmana ki yichra, and let's say that it only said the case of digging the pit. Hava, I mean, I would have said karyahu deboy kisui, that only in the case where I dug it out is it, re- is it necessary to have a cover. Mishon da'avad ma'isu, because I did a significant act by digging out of the pit. Aval peseach, but where I just opened up someone else's pit, deloyavad ma'isu, I didn't do any action, so maybe I wouldn't even need to actually cover it. The obligation would fall upon the person who originally dug it. Komash malon, that's what it's coming to teach us that no, that's why we need both verses. So according to Rabbi Akiva, you need both verses to teach you each one for its own thing. So you can't come to tell you that there's even going to be an obligation in the public domain. It's all coming to tell you something about the private domain. So now according to Rabbi Shmuel now becomes the question, why did we have to say, why did Rabbi Shmuel say this is the case? I mean the truth is according to Rabbi Shmuel that both in the public domain and in the private domain, according to the way Rabbi Yosef is learning, there is an obligation. So if that's the case, why is he saying this is the case only in the public domain? It seems to imply that's not true in the private domain, but that's not true. Even Rabbi Shmuel agrees in the private domain. So what does he mean? This is the case. So we give a similar answer to what we said before, and what we're saying is that according to Rabbi Shmuel, what he means to say is this is the case. How could you, Rabbi Kiva, say that there's no obligation in public domain? That's the case of the Torah when it's talking about that there's an obligation for damages. So if that's what the Torah is talking about, how can you say that there's no obligation at all? That's what he means to say. The Gemara continues with the question, If somebody digs a pit in the public domain, and he opens it up to his private domain, there's no obligation, and Rashi explains that the cases where an animal came in through the private domain and entered into the pit, if it came in that way, then there's no obligation. Even though he doesn't have a right to do such a thing, because it's not permitted to dig a hole underneath the public domain. If somebody digs a pit or a ditch or a cave, 
Yachid in the private domain, then he opens it up and allows entrance from the public domain, Chayat is going to be an obligation. If somebody digs pits in the private domain, which is right next to a public domain, for example, people who are digging pits or ditches in order to create the foundations of their house, there's no obligation since it was something that was done with permission. Says that there is an obligation until you make some kind of wall at least 10 high, or until you have distanced your pit from the place that people walk, and from the place where the animals walk, four tefachs, four hand breaths. The only reason that there's no obligation over here is because you did it with permission because you were making the foundations of your house. But if not for that, and you made a pit, and then you made the area of Hefker, you made it ownerless, the implication is that there would be an obligation. money. So who does this Brisa come out like? So according to Rabba, it comes out very nice because they argue, they argue in a case where you have a private domain where you made a pit and you made it ownerless. So in the first case where it said that there is no obligation, so that's going to be like Rabbi says that there's no obligation in private domain. This safe Rabbi Kiva. And the end we had this implication that there is an obligation, so that's going to be like Rabbi Kiva. But according to Rabbi Yosef, who says that they agree in a private domain that there is an obligation, so in the last case, so we can say that it goes according to everyone, that's why there's an obligation, as we said in the implication. But in the first case, in the Brisa, so we said that there's no obligation money. Who is it? It's neither Rabbi Shmuel nor Rabbi Kiva. So Rabbi Yosef will answer you and explain as follows. Kula de Really, the whole entire Brisa is the both Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Shmuel. So why in the first case is there no obligation if he dug a pit in his private domain? If everyone agrees to that, the cases where he neither made his domain hefker ownerless and he didn't make the pit itself ownerless either. And there, somebody walks into a private property, falls into a pit, then there's for sure, even according to Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva, everyone agrees there's no obligation on the person whose pit it belongs to. Ravashi. So Ravashi says, Hashda do kim Rav Yosef Now that we're saying that Rav Yosef works out and the whole entire Brisa works out according to everyone, So according to Rabbi also, we don't need to say that there's a machol tanoim, an argument between Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva between the two parts of the Brisa. Midoreshin Rabbi Shmuel, from the fact that in the first part of the Brisa we could say that it even goes according to Rabbi Shmuel. In this that we said that there's no obligation in the private domain. Seifanami Rabbi Shmuel, we could say that even according to Rabbi, who says that Rabbi Shmuel argues and said that in a private domain there wouldn't be an obligation. So in the second part of the Bryce where it says there is an obligation, we can say it even goes according to him as well. Vitaima delusion, and this that we said that it's only because of the fact that it was done with permission, because you did it in order to put down your foundations of your house. implying that if it wouldn't be for that there would be an obligation. So how we explain that according to Rabbi Shmuel? The cases where you gave over your space, you actually made your area when you made this ditch, there's gonna be an obligation because you made it part of the public domain. And thus now people are walking in there and when you made this ditch, it says if you made it in the public domain. In such a case, even Rabbi Shmuel would agree, according to Rabbah, that there is an obligation, even though you originally made it in the private domain. Since now, you've made it part of the public domain. Maysfield, Gemara asks another question. If somebody digs a pit in the private domain, he opens it up to the public domain, so it's accessible to the public domain, there's going to be an obligation. So that's similar to the case where you dug it in the public domain, and you made your area, hefker, you made it ownerless. If you made it in your private domain, which is right next to the public domain, there's no obligation. So according to Rabbah, it's very good. We could say that the entire Brisa is Rabbi Shmuel, because Rabbi Shmuel holds that in a private domain there's no obligation. 
the way Rabbah learns. And in a public domain, there is an obligation. El Rav according to Rav Yosef, who says that everyone agrees in a private domain that there is an obligation. Bishlam or Reisha or Bishma. So in the first case, we could say that who's the Reisha that said that there's an obligation in the public domain? It's Rav Bishma. El Asif or Mani Lari Bishma Lari But in the second case of the Brisa, which says that there's no obligation in the private domain, so that's not Rabbi Kiva and that's not Rishma. Because according to Rav Yosef, they both agree that there is an obligation. Amr Lachas, so we'll answer you as follows. Because the case is, why is there no obligation? Because you were digging a dish in order to create the foundations for your house. That's something that we consider that you've done with permission, and therefore that's why there's no obligation. If somebody dug a ditch and then he opened it up and he gave it over to the public that if anybody wants to, they can take water from there. Potter, there's no obligation. If there's any damage that's caused to it, it becomes a public ditch. However, if he opened it and he dug it, he opened it and he didn't give it over to the public, then there's an obligation upon him if anything happens, if any damages are caused by it. This was the way, this was the custom of Nechunya, who used to dig these ditches, these pits, and, and he would give them over to the public, and Rashi says he would do this in order to, to the people who were going up to Jerusalem, to the Ola, the Regal, to come for the festivals, so that they would have a place to drink. So this is what he would do. He would dig it, he would open it up, and he would give it over to the public, anybody who wanted to could come and access the water that was inside. When the sages heard about what Nechunya was doing, Amru, they said about him, that this person fulfilled this law. So the Gemara says, Halacha Zuvasula, what? That he only fulfilled this law? It makes it sound like he didn't do such a great thing. All he fulfilled was this, this law. And La'ima Af Rather, what they said was that he fulfilled even this law. Right? They were saying that Tzidkus, a righteousness of this person, the Chunya, that he even fulfilled this law properly. There was a story with the daughter of this Rabbi Nechunya who used to dig these wells in order for people who were passing by on their way to the festival in the temple that they used to drink from these wells. So there was a story where he had his daughter that his daughter fell into one of these big pits. They came to Rabbi Hanina Medosa who was a tremendous righteous sage of that time who was also a miracle worker and they told him what happened. So after the first hour he said she's fine. Shnia. After two hours, he said again, she's fine. Shlishas, after the third hour, they came to him and he said, also, she's come out. She must have come out by now. So they found her and she, indeed she had come out of this deep pit that was impossible to get out of naturally. So they said, who got you out of there? So she responded and said that there was a male sheep that came. And Rashi says this is referring to the Ayel Shal Yitzchak, the ram of Isaac. There was an elder person, Rashi says this is referring to Abraham, who was leading it. So, and that's who took me out. So they said to you must be a prophet. How did you know that she came out? He says, No, I'm not a prophet, not the son of a prophet. This is what I said to myself. How could it be that something that that great righteous person was involved in, referring to Rabbi how could his child die, heaven forbid, in a pit if he himself was involved in doing something which is meritorious for the public? So, so it can't be that his child would die in such a pit. So Rabbi Acha says that despite the fact that this story happened, Rabbi Nechunya's son did in fact die from thirst. Shnemar, as the verse says, that surrounding God, so it's very stormy. That God is very exacting with those close to Him, those around Him, meaning the righteous ones, even up to the hair's breadth. Meaning that a person who's close to God is a righteous person, so God is more exacting with him, and if he does something which on our level would be a small thing, not such a great sin, but on his level it is considered a sin, and therefore, that's why he was—he unfortunately lost his son. 
Tosus points out that what's the difference? Why in the story he didn't lose his daughter, but he did lose his son? The difference is that in regards to the case of the story, so the actual pit is something that he was directly involved in. It couldn't be that she would fall into one of those pits and die. That's what Rabbi Hanina Medosa said. However, the fact that he was trying to help people so they shouldn't, they shouldn't be thirsty, so that is not going to be enough to save his son from dying of thirst. It's different as far as what he was directly involved in. Rabbi Nechunia Amar Mehacha, Rabbi Nechunia, according to different alternate girsas, so this is actually Rabbi Hanina who says this, so the following verse also proves this concept. Kel the God who is lifted above in the secret of the great holy ones, he is awesome and fearful to all those around him. Again, we see that God and those who are close to him, so they have a special thing with God that he is exacting with them, and if heaven forbid they do something which on their level is a sin, so God could be very makbid, very stringent with them. Whoever says that God easily forgives without any effort on the part of the individual who did a sin, so he's going to make his life to be something completely hefker, to be completely like he can do whatever he wants with that attitude. As the verse says, God, the rock, his ways are perfect, but all of his ways are judgment. Meaning God acts with judgment according to how much a person does. If a person does good deeds, he gets reward. If a person does bad deeds, he gets punished, heaven forbid. Rabbi Chana said, and then there are those who said that Rabbi Shmuel Bar-Nachmini said, where else do we see this concept? Because the verse says, we turn to Nurma Bebez, page 50b. The verse says, he is slow to anger, and he uses it, apayim is, is plural. It doesn't say it in a singular way. That implies that there's more than one case, more than one instance, where God holds himself back, so to speak. So what is this coming to teach you? That God withholds himself, so to speak, both from the righteous and from the evil ones. What is this teacher? So Rashi explains that in regards to the righteous ones, so God holds back their reward. He doesn't reward the righteous people right away. He saves it so that they can earn their due reward in the Om Haba, in the real world, in the world of spirituality, where the reward is much deeper, much greater. And God also holds back from the Risham, from the evil people, and He doesn't punish them right away, as Rashi seems to imply, in order to give them a chance to be able to do tshuva, to repent. We have a bracelet. A person should not take the stones out of his field and throw them into the public domain. There was a story with a certain person. He was doing this forbidden thing. He was taking the stones out of his field and throwing them into the public domain. So a certain righteous person found an Amarloi and he said to him like this, Reka, you empty-headed person. You think you're taking it out of a domain that belongs to you into a, pl- a place that doesn't belong to you. The truth is you're taking it out of a place that doesn't really belong to you into a place that does belong to you. That public domain belongs to everyone, including you. So the guy who was doing it, so he laughed at the guy, the, the righteous person who had said this to him. Not too long afterwards, the guy had to sell his field. He was walking along in the public domain near his old field. And he tripped over those very rocks that he had thrown out into the public domain. Omar, he said to himself, It was correct what that righteous person had said to me, Why are you throwing out those stones from, the, from a place which doesn't really belong to you into a place that does belong to you? We begin the next Mishnah. Somebody who digs a pit in the public domain, and an animal, an ox, or a donkey fell into their chayv. There's an obligation on the person who dug it. Whether we're talking about a pit, which is round, we're talking about a ditch, which is long. 
umara or a cave, which Rashi says is a square ditch, a square pit, and it's covered with wooden planks, and then on one side it's open. That's what a cave is in this context. Charitzin, so this is a similar type of thing, but it doesn't have those pieces of wood going across the top, it's open completely. Uneitzin, or he dug this type of pit where on the bottom it's more narrow, on the top where the where you can enter into the pit, it's more wide. Chayv, all these cases there's an obligation if any damage was caused. And Cain, Lamanem of Bor, so why does the Torah specifically talk about a pit as opposed to all these other things? It's coming to teach you as follows. Just like a pit in general, when we don't specify how deep it is, so a pit always means that it's ten tvachim, ten hands breadths deep, which is enough to kill an animal. So it's teaching us that in any case, any kind of pit that was dug, whether it's a cave or a char, it's a ditch, whatever it is, it has to have that amount in order to be able to kill, and only then will it have the obligation on the owner if it indeed an animal got killed. If it was less than that, if it was less than ten hands breaths, and an ox or a donkey fell in there and it died, Potter, there's no obligation because the animal didn't die because of the fact that it fell in there. Then Huzak by, but if the animal got damaged by falling in there, even though it's less than ten less than ten hands breaths, then there will be an obligation in regards to damages, even though there's no obligation in regards to death. We begin the Gemara. Amar Rav. Rav says, The obligation of a person because of the pit that caused damage is not because of the impact between the animal and the ground of the pit, but rather it's because of the low air quality that's on the bottom of the pit. That's what caused the death of the animal or the damage to the animal. And that's why there's an obligation for the owner of the pit to pay or the person who created the pit to pay because he created this low, this poor air quality on the bottom of the pit. So we can deduce that Rav holds that when there's an impact, so it's not considered that the person who created the pit has caused the damage, but rather that, that land was there, that piece of dirt was there all along, and it's not the responsibility of the person who created the pit. Shmuel says no. There's an obligation if the poor air quality caused the death or the damage. And certainly he created the opportunity, the ability for there to be an impact. He created this space from the top to the bottom such that the animal could fall and therefore that's why there's an obligation even for the impact upon the person who created the pit so now wait hold on a second maybe we'll say maybe there's an obligation for the poor air quality maybe it's only because he created this pit because the little have light because the the air the poor air quality is something that happened on its own that's not even what he intended to create he intended to create this pit and he uncovered the earth that was underneath however so the Torah says that the problem is a pit the Torah doesn't differentiate and there would be an obligation even if the pit didn't create an impact. For example, if let's say on the bottom of the pit there are sponges made out of wool and when the animal falls in there's no impact. So if the animal gets killed because of the poor air quality there would also be an obligation. That's the implication of the verse because we don't make any distinctions. My day now, what's going to be the difference, the practical difference between Rav and Shmuel? It's as follows. If someone made a mound which was 10 tvach and 10 hands breast high in the public domain, According to Rav, the only obligation is because of the fact that you created poor air quality. There's no poor air quality when, a, when an animal falls off of this mound. But according to Shmuel, the problem is that you created an opportunity for an animal to create an impact between it and the ground. So that's true even if you created a mound such that the animal would fall off 10 tvachim, 10 hands breaths of a distance. So it comes out that there's only an obligation according to Shmuel in the case of a mound, and the animal fell off the mound, and not according to Rav. 
My time of the Rav. Now the Gemara wants to know, what's the reason of Rav? Why does he say that there's only an obligation in regards to where there's poor air quality? The Amar Krak, because he brings it from the verse, Vinafal, the animal shall fall. Ad she'ipul darach nefila, has to fall in its regular way. What's the regular way? Where the animal, it comes face down. And therefore, why is it dying? It's dying because, not because of the impact so much, but because of the fact that there's poor air quality in there and the animal can't breathe. Uli Shmuel, according to Shmuel, Vinafal called the He understands that when it says it falls in, it means any way it falls in. It can fall in with its back first, and therefore it's dying because of the impact. It can fall in with its head first, and therefore it's dying because of the poor air quality. It doesn't matter. Tanan, we said in the Mishnah, Im Kain, if so, Lamanemar Bor. Why did we say a case of a pit in the verse? Just like a pit has an order, the amount to be able to kill, which is 10 Tvachim, 10 hands breaths. So to any case where it has 10 Tvachim, 10 hands breaths, enough to kill, there's going to be an obligation. Now, Bishlam al Shmuel, so according to Shmuel, this statement of the mission makes sense. Afko, why does it say also any case? It sounds like it's coming to add on cases that we didn't mention in the Mishnah. It's coming to include even the case where you made a mound. But according to Rav, who says that there's no obligation in the case of a mound, what's it coming to include when it says even in a case similar to this? So I'll tell you that it's coming to include the cases that we said in the Mishnah, which was the ditch, the pit, which was similar to a ma'ara, a cave, but without the pieces of wood covering it, and the case of the ne'itzin, which was where it was wider on the, on the top than on the bottom. So the says, We don't need to include them. That was said explicitly in the Mishnah. Why would you say that Afkal is coming to include those cases? The Gemara answers, We said them, and then we were explaining how we learned them out. That's what it means in the Mishnah. The Gemara wants to know, why do we need all these different cases, ditches and pits and all kinds of caves and what do we need it for? Tzricha, we need each one of these cases. If I had just said the case of a pit, we would have said that only a pit of ten, that's what's considered that it has poor air quality and is going to kill. Because it's small and it's round. But a ditch, the arich, which is longer, true, the length is long, the width is short, but it's longer than a pit. Maybe it doesn't have such poor air quality to kill an animal. That's why we have to say a as well. Vitana Shiach, if it had said the case of a ditch, have a minashiach asara, who de ispe havla, a ditch of ten, that's what has poor air quality, mishum de cotton, because it's short on its width. Avama but in regards to a cave, de mirava, which is square, meaning it has the same length and the same width, aimum basara less bahavla, maybe even though it's ten tvachim deep, it's ten hands deep, but it doesn't have enough poor quality air to kill. That's why we had to say the case as well. Vitana ma'ara, if we would have said that case, have a amina ma'ara basara, who de ispe havla. So then over there, in the case of a cave, that's when it's considered as poor air quality, because it's covered with the pieces of wood. But the case of a charitzin, where there's no covering of pieces of wood, maybe the ten tfachim deep, if it's ten hands deep, it doesn't have poor air quality enough to kill an animal or to cause damage. So that's why it's to say the case as well. If it had said those cases, over there where it's ten tfachim deep, it's ten hands deep, that's where it has poor air quality. Because it's not wider on the top than on the bottom. But in the case of the Neitzim, the Ravichim El, it is wider on top, greater than it is on the bottom. Maybe over there it has better air circulation, and therefore the air quality on the bottom is not so poor, it's not going to kill or cause damage. That's what it's coming to teach us that in all of these cases, the air quality is poor enough to kill or to damage an animal. We learned on the Mishnah. If it was less than 10 hands was deep, and an ox or donkey fell in, and it died, there's no obligation. But if it got damaged in the same nine hands breaths deep, 
pit, there is an obligation in regards to damages. If the ox fell in, or the donkey fell in, and it died, potter, there's no obligation. My time, what's the reason why there's no obligation for death? Maybe it's proving like Shmuel that the reason is because there wasn't enough of an impact. No proof. It could just as well be that there's not enough poor air quality for it to be considered that it died because of the pit. Ihachidamar says, if that's so, the fact is, if it got damaged there, there is an obligation. We just said that there's not enough poor air quality for it to, to be considered that there's an obligation on the person who made the pit. Amri Sigmar says, no. It's true that there's not poor enough air quality for it to cause the death of the animal. But it does have poor enough air quality to cause damage to the animal. With Hashem's help, we'll continue from here in the next daily daf.